want to help it happen. The gift of, of giving. Uh, some of us may have the gift of teaching. Uh, we're not necessarily that person who always has that kind of word to say at the moment when it needs to be said, kind of concise and to the point. We're that person who we like to get into the word, we like to break it down and lay it out and explain it and apply it and dissect it and and look at it from different angles and, and just really teach. These are the people that we like to sit and listen to for an hour because they just really have good insights into scripture. These different gifts and abilities that we have, some have administration abilities, where we have the ability to, to say, you know, this, this is not working very well. This program is not working. This service is like out of sync. Uh, what can we do? And, and, and you're that person who can look at something and make it more organized, make it make more sense, get people more involved better, draw people in and, and put it together in a better version. Uh, these people are people who run projects and building projects and oversee programs. There's a lot of different abilities that we have. It's the pastor's job to remind you of that and to recognize that and to help you recognize that and to help you identify your abilities and help you find ways to develop those abilities and to find ways to put those abilities into action. Every believer is responsible by gifts given to them from Christ to do the work of service. What is the goal of this service? The goal is to edify the body of Christ. The word edify simply means to construct, to lay a brick on top of a brick and, a, and, and put a wire into a circuit and, and set a window into a frame and to put shingles on a roof. And this is building. This is edifying. This is a church like Brookdale that has a 50 plus year history. This is a church that, like Brookdale, has in 50 years had its building times and its unbuilding times. You've probably been through a few waves and stages of these kind of things. You go up, you go down, you go forward, you go back a little bit, but always forward somehow. The visions that Joe and I have for each of our churches that we're shepherding right now is that we want, by God's grace, to be in a place right now at this time of building of moving forward. And for that to be accomplished, pastors like us have to remind the members like you that you will play a vital role. God does not give us spiritual gifts and abilities to simply join a church and attend a church. Be there. Enjoy its benefits to us. Come and be there. We're not just uh, a cinder block or a pack of shingles or um, a, a truck with cement in it sitting on the lot week after week after week, being there as part of the inventory and supplies, right? 
we need to recognize we have a vital role in our church, and that includes everyone who is a believer, including the young people of the church, as well as the older people of the church. Everyone has a role. At Brookdale, I tell our members, I'm committed to this. In order to grow and move forward in, in, in ministry as a church, we can't just shift gears from one generation to the next. Thank you to this generation. We're done with you. We're moving on to the next. That's not how churches work. Sometimes we feel like that's how it works. Or new churches start up to meet this generation, and this church sticks with just... We all need to recognize we need each other. And we need to work together. We all have something to give, something to contribute, something to learn from the other. And, and a healthy church is going to keep building and adding on, not tearing down and starting over again. But blending and working together as a church, the gifts and abilities. The older people of a church like faith have a vital role in a church like faith until God promotes you to heaven. There's no stage in your life as a church member where you are now relegated to sitting and doing nothing. So, well, one of the things older members sometimes struggle with is when pastors come in and try to get more people involved, a few, some things change a little bit, more people are getting involved who are younger and they're doing some things, and sometimes older members struggle because they feel like they're not doing as much as they used to do or the same things that they used to do, or on the same level that they used to do them. But they should rejoice in that because what they have done is they've reached a point in their life and ministry where they've brought through their ministry in part to a place where it's not depending on them as much. That's a good thing. You've succeeded at something. At the same time, that is a stage in ministry where you're needed in some ways the same way on a reduced scale, but in other ways on an increased scale. Encouraging others, letting them know they're doing a good job, not, you're not sitting in judgment. Oh, I don't like no, good idea. I didn't think of that. That's really good. Encourage, work together. At the end of a church service, pastors love to see people of different generations and stages and backgrounds in their church mixing and mingling with each other. Not this generation's over here talking about this, this generation's over here talking about this, and they don't really interact with each other. I love it watching my kids after a service go out into the lobby and around the church and seeing the senior saints going up to them and telling them, good job. Like how you're doing that guitar. It's really good. Got good skills there. Wow, that's great. Hey, it, I, I love that. I love seeing them interact that way. I know it's hard sometimes. It's not natural but it speaks to the kids' hearts. It lets them know you want them here and they are wanted, and vice versa. Speak into the younger generation's lives. Make that difference. And younger people need to recognize the value of the older as well. And that needs to be encouraged. Younger people need to learn not just to talk to old, younger people, but to go and speak to older, to talk to them, to get their advice and their wisdom and their input into their lives. All of us have abilities. It is the pastor's job through the teaching of the word of God, through private teaching and public teaching, to help you understand what your abilities from God are and how to put them to use. Before we finish today in the last part of the message, I want to ask this question. 
not only are you fulfilling your purpose at Sauk Center here at Faith Baptist, but what is your ability or abilities and are you putting it to use? I don't know you. I don't know you. So I can say I, I don't know who's doing what well and not. Maybe you all are serving very well right now. But it's very possible in a church of this size that some here are not doing much at all. You come, you're glad to be here, you're glad for the kids program, or you like the worship style, and you appreciate Pastor Joe's preaching. But the church is limping a little bit because the gift that God has given you that is in you to make a difference here is not being used. This is something I want you to think about, I want you to pray about and say, Lord, is there a way that I can serve? Is there a ministry that needs help where I can just at least try and see if I can make a difference there? Every one of us should be serving, should be doing, should be making a difference. Because that's how the church works. You go behind the scenes, it's not a pastor leading a group of people, it's a pastor equipping and unleashing a group of people to be what each one of them are supposed to be into. All of us serving in the way that we are gifted. What's the goal of our service when we serve together? There are three goals that we see in this passage that we need to focus on. The first is we should focus together on pursuing unity around the doctrine and virtues of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Here Paul is speaking of being unified or one. He is speaking about solidarity as a spiritual group, oneness. There's a lot of diversity in churches. We have different backgrounds. We were raised in different backgrounds. We were raised in Catholic or Lutheran backgrounds or E-free backgrounds or other Baptist backgrounds or this Baptist background. Or we were raised with different trade skills and backgrounds and different family situations, different cultures and different preferences and styles. There's so many differences in this room right here. But here we are in this group together with a shared calling the Lord Jesus Christ. And you have a, a role in this church to help that unity and that solidarity strengthen. What actions have you performed in the last week? What prayers have you prayed? What words have you spoken to make this church more unified than it was a week ago? Sometimes the answer is, well, not much. In fact, sometimes the answer is, actually, I've kind of challenged the unity a little bit this last week. We start putting opinions out in ways and in avenues that are not helpful. We start criticizing things outside of the Word of God. Sometimes a person might come to me and say, Pastor, why are we doing this or why are we doing that? I don't like this. We've always done it this way, but why are we doing it? And my, my answer is, where does the Bible speak about that? That's my question, because we are a church that believes in biblical authority. We follow the authority of the word of God. Show me where that is a biblical concern. Show me the verse. Show me the passage. Show me the teaching of Jesus Christ. You show that to me, I will take your, your thoughts seriously, and I will change my mind if I need to. But if we're talking about something that is just 
the way we've always done it, and the opinion that you have, I'm, I'm really creatively thinking about that because some of those things need to change. Because some of those things are preventing the word of God from being heard. And so we have to stick to the word of God and church members will help their church grow in unity if we focus on that. We have enough challenges as Christians taking a stand for things the Bible actually says. We don't need to create more things. Am I correct about that? I live in a community right now, maybe it's that way here, but two hours north and west, there's a lot of professing believers and genuine believers who have never been biblically baptized. Baptized as an infant, maybe, or baptized kind of formally, but not upon a public profession of genuine personal faith. And so they come to Brookdale and they kind of like some of the things there, but then they find out to be a member, you have to be baptized, which means you've been saved for decades, maybe in some cases, you have little kids, and you can't, you're known in the community, but to join Brookdale, you're gonna have to get up there and be baptized in front of everybody as a believer of 20, 30 years and an established reputation. That's, that's humbling. That's challenging. And that's not something I can really change because the Bible is consistent on the teaching of proper baptism. It's very consistent. There's no exceptions. I can't make exceptions for that. I wish I could. So you wish you could. Yes, I'm all about creating unity wherever I can, but I can't when Christ says I can't. It's just an example. We could talk about morality. We could talk about gender. We can talk about clear teachings of biblical rules of manhood and womanhood and things in Scripture that are clear. And the world looks at us and says, you're crazy. But we say, well, then Christ was crazy because he said this. And I can't change that. I can be honest and say, I wish I could. But I can't. But then what about this? What about that? We're going through something right now in our church constitution where for decades we have made ourselves sign a covenant when we join the church. I will do this, 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 and this. I will never do this, 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 and this under any circumstances. But a couple of those I will nevers are extra careful applications of something that is more careful than the Bible actually teaches. It's a super safe thing to not do. But the Bible actually says you can do it sometimes, but you have to do it in a certain... So the Bible is actually more lenient on that thing. We just decided to be stricter than the Bible to be safe. And what I'm helping the church realize is we need to take that out because we don't need to be more careful than the Bible. But we need to stick to what the Bible says. I don't want people saying, I don't want to be a part of Brookdale because of some extra biblical thing. I want them to be challenged by what the Bible says. Unity is helped when the members agree to focus on the clear teaching of Scripture and to stick to that and to know the filter, the filter of difference, the Scripture filters opinions from the doctrines of Christ. And we grow in unity as we work these kind of things through in our lives. Brings us back to Scripture. Why is it important so that we can grow up and become a more perfect and mature person. One of the things in marriage, right, is you grow through marriage. You get married, you're excited, it's all exciting, and you start realizing all the differences that your spouse has with you. 
Oh, he does that this way. Oh, his family. Oh, her family. Why didn't I know this before? Oh, we've got to work this through. And we have all these different petty things that come up, and some of them are things that they're only really a big deal to us. They're not right and wrong. I'm pretty transparent when it comes to uh, some things in our marriage because we kind of have to be, and my wife and I have agreed to that. But I, I'm, I'm a pretty particular person. I like things neat and clean, right where they're supposed to be. There's a few of you like that in the church here, I hope. Got to keep this church straight. But sometimes people like that are a little, it's too much. I can be too much. So my paper's up here. I have two papers. One of them is messed up. They should actually... It's bugging me. And they're kind of balanced here. My Bible should be right in the middle like that and kind of very symmetrical. That's what I prefer because it helps me to be relaxed. My wife is a very productive person. That is not the top priority in the sequence of her productivity every day. There can be piles of things and stuff in different places. And to me, the way I was raised, God is a God of order and a godly person is organized. If God made the world like that, the world would be in chaos, but he didn't because he's a God of order. So it is a sin to be disorganized. I have preached that before, before I got married. And I had six kids, yes. I tell you what. After 15, just about 15 years of marriage and six kids and pastoring now for years, I still like things organized. But I've learned to walk through a house, to sit down in my bed, and not to see half of that anymore. Because the longer I go in life, the more I'm learning, I'm becoming more mature, right? A more perfect person. I'm learning what actually matters. And having symmetrical stacks of paper and books on a desk is not a high priority to God when it comes to parenting and pastoring a marriage, is it? Here's the thought. The thought is this. Pastors need to help people in the church recognize this. To grow as a church, you need to grow in unity. To grow in a unity, you have to grow in kind of simplifying what actually matters so you can focus on that and come together with greater solidarity and effectiveness for Christ. Right? It's a challenge. We're all petty. We're all problematic. We have opinions. All of us do, and pastors know this way too well. But it's our job to challenge you to stop and to be unified for Christ. Secondly, we should protect each other from disturbing and deceptive teachings that we no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Here, what Paul is simply teaching is that it is not just the pastor's job, but all of our jobs to make sure that we're not listening to false doctrine. That means we spend a lot of time together, the teachers, the exhorters, the servers. Sometimes we think it's just the teaching or the exhortation that keeps us away from false doctrine. I'm going to challenge you on this. Do you know the gift of mercy can keep you away from false doctrine? The gift of service can keep you away from false doctrine? How is that? Here's how it is. And, and organization, administration can. 
If you're part of a church that has really excellent teaching, but the people of the church in general are not very loving, forgiving, hospitable, and so on, the members of that church will be more susceptible to false teaching. Some false teaching and some church legalistic churches are very organized. You say, well, our, our church is not very organized. Where's the administrators? That's a good question, right? They need to be active because if you're not in an orderly place to some degree, right, you're going to find another place that does things like this. And you might gravitate then because of that to a more legalistic place. Or you may be in a church that's got good teaching, but there's not a lot of mercy being exhibited from people. Mercy is not valued. It's not cultivated. It's not encouraged. And so you get worn down, you get beaten down, and you go somewhere else where, oh, we love you, it doesn't matter. The Bible, oh, that's not a big deal. And you go somewhere where it doesn't really matter anymore, and it kind of alleviates that, right? No, all the gifts, service. I want to go to a place where people have each other's back, and they're taking care of each other. They're serving. They're active in service, not just teaching. A church needs to be healthy and whole and complete on all levels Otherwise, people will become susceptible to false teaching that seems to have it better over there. So this is why it's important for all gifts to be functioning, because all gifts functioning is greater spiritual health, which is a greater deterrent from false teaching. And then finally, we should build a loving, supportive community, speaking the truth in love, growing up in all things into him who is the head, from whom the whole body Every member doing its part causes growth. We should build a loving and supportive community together. In the book of Ephesians, love is mentioned a lot. In fact, love is mentioned 14 times in 19 verses in this entire letter. With all lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, Ephesians 4.2. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, Ephesians 5.2. Christ himself emphasized that with his own disciples. For time, I won't take the time to look at those verses today. But how frequently did Christ tell his people to love one another? This is my command, that you love one another. I pray that they will love one another, he said to the Father, and be one as you and I are one. Sometimes in churches, we're more interested in expressing our own ideas than we are in bringing about genuine biblical spiritual unity. As a church... If we don't each participate, this is the last slide, the last statement of this message today. If we are not all participating in our gifts and abilities and allowing our pastors to help us with this, then our church will be handicapped and it will not work the way it was designed to work. How does a church work? By pastors equipping the members to recognize their spiritual abilities, to get active with their spiritual abilities, every member, so that you are pursuing unity around the doctrine and virtues of Christ, protecting each other from deceptive false teachings, and developing a supportive, loving community. Wouldn't that be great if that's what Faith Baptist was known for? A church where the pastors prepare the members every one of them, all generations, to serve together, that this is a church that is growing in unity, 
in doctrine, and in love. A church that's hard to leave because you're one. A church that's hard to leave because you love each other. Because the truth is taught, not other stuff. The truth. I'm telling you, even the bigger, most trending, happening churches today, there's coming a day and there's coming a time when people are, and they are, saying, you know, I'm missing something here. This was flashy. This was exciting. They had a great youth group. But now I'm wondering, we're missing some things. Why is the preaching turning into TED Talks and not preaching the Word of God? We have these great big professional events, but where's the love? Where's the supportive community? That's where a church like Faith can step up and say, that's what we're doing. And one by one, people realize what's happening here is genuine, it's authentic, it's real. And right now in our world, an appetite for that is percolating. It's growing. I think you're in a very good place to meet that need as it comes up. Don't quit. Let Pastor Joe equip you. And if you're not doing much right now, I would encourage you, this is the invitation today. When Joe comes back, give him a phone call or walk up to him and say, you know what, I want to ask you a question. Is there something I can do to help? There's something that needs done in this church. Or another question you can ask if you don't want to ask that kind of directly. Pastor Joe, what do you think my spiritual gift is? Have you thought about that? What do you think? I'd like to know your thoughts. He'd probably be glad to tell you his thoughts. And maybe he doesn't know. And I'll say, well, let's, let's try some things and see what comes up. Okay. Try this, try that, try that. See what happens. Let's, let's, let's discover your ability and let's put you to use. Those are the kind of questions. If Joe ever calls me and says, hey, how did it go? Hey, how did it go? And he says, well, I had a few people asking me if they could serve. I had a few people asking me what my spiritual, their spiritual gift was. What did you tell them? I'd say I told them to ask you that. <laughs> That'd be the most beautiful thing you can do. Pastors are not overly impressed with pastor appreciation month. You can write all the notes you want to your pastor. Tell him how much you appreciate him. You can even give all the money you want to a church that's helpful. But I tell you what means the most to pastors. It's not the thank you notes and the money. What means the most to pastors is members who serve. Are you serving the way God wants you to to make this church work? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Christ into the world to die, to raise again, to ascend, to rule and to reign, and to give us abilities from the throne of heaven. Thank you for giving gifts and abilities to the members of this church that I've gotten to meet today. I pray that those gifts and abilities, Lord, would be unleashed in a greater way in the weeks and months ahead. I pray that those who are not serving much or at all, would take the step of asking their pastor, how can I serve? What can I do to make a difference, to put a brick on this church spiritually? And if there's a, there are those here wondering, what is their gift and ability that you've given to them? May they approach their pastor and ask him for some guidance and some words of, of thought along that line that he would be able to help them identify what that is so they can get involved and make a maximum impact for Christ. May their gifts not 
gather dust. I pray that people from every generation in this church would realize their place in this church, that no one would feel left out, that everyone would get involved. I pray the older would encourage the younger, the younger would respect the older, and that all would work together for Christ. If there's anyone here today that is not a believer or does not have a genuine Bible-teaching, supportive, loving church family, may today be the day that they make the choice to trust in Christ or to figure out how to become a part of this church. Give Pastor Joe and I safety as we travel back to our families and our churches today, and may this church and Brookdale as well be examples of growing thriving, Bible-focused, Christ-centered churches in the years ahead. May we encourage each other and realize there's at least one other church out there doing that. And may we have each other's back through thick and thin. In your name we pray. Amen.